Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you have an undergrad in any discipline and would like to reinforce it with a Master's in Business, ATU are offering their Master's in Business Management Conversion Program. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie. I'm Kieran O'Donnell. You're welcome to Business Matters. My guest this week is the co-owner of the Cash and Ore Hotel and the co-owner of Eric Brewing and Anagri, James McDevitt. Cash and Ore, which employs around 60 people, was opened in 2002. And last year, James and his sister Anita secured a licence for their brewery. A qualified secondary school teacher, James has a huge passion for the hospitality sector and a massive gra for the Anagri area. James, the last time I was talking to you, uh, I was attending a wedding here in your hotel. Uh, you've had quite a busy period, I'm sure, since then. We've had we've had a whirlwind of a season. Um, it's just been non-stop and relentless. Like, I have to say we're very fortunate and very lucky for our rural location to see the level of trade that we do. And it's a f- it's it's an honour and a pleasure of a lifetime to host weddings and for people in the locality and exciting occasions that you get to be part of their story and part of their forever story. So I suppose it's uh, we we're, we're very fortunate. We put a lot into it. We thoroughly enjoy it, and I think it's reflected in the product and the service that we deliver. Like so. James, can you take me back to the start uh, of Cashlanor and when it was set up and when it was built? Cashlanor Hotel was set up and built on in the year two thousand and two. Um, it was developed by um, my father, my brother Joe, who's deceased, and my sister Anita, and myself. My mother was also the strong <laughs> force behind us all. She kept us all in line. And we, I suppose we had the foundations of the family business. There was a pub and a restaurant and a function room on the site where the hotel is now. And we were very fortunate to have a great thriving business. And um, Dom, my father, had a vision that Anagri needed a hotel and... Um, he 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 also believed that there was opportunities for us all to get good jobs and be fit to stay at home and not have to face the immigration that all of his generation faced. So we set about trying to build. We set about trying to re-roof the old pub that we had initially, and we realised that it was a it was a non-runner. Sorry, James. How old was the pub at that stage, and how long had it been in the family? So, the pub was in the family, and my mother and father had it since nineteen seventy-eight. Um, they took it over from they bought it off my grandfather Jack McCluskey, and the Jack McCluskey had the pub here before them and I'm not sure the exact dates there and Jack McCluskey's mother who was known as Mai in the Fijiga she was a great tin whistle player and she obtained the original publican's license here and her father Onion Andy was they say a bit of a potching man and she was the she she got the, the liquor license across the line to legalise the trade and get him to Cut ties and, and and try and legitimise the enterprise. So, um, we started out with a uh, with the small pub and restaurant, and then we redeveloped it into Cashland Or Hotel in two thousand and two. And how has the business evolved over those twenty one years, James? I suppose we were we were very lucky. We we started off in two thousand and two, and I suppose we we started off and we built the hotel. And what we done every year was we we saved and we redeveloped and we reinvested and we reinvested again and we saved another few years and we reinvested and it it was a safe strategy because um, we have we have a great saying that comes from my father. And his saying is, never risk what you have to gain what you don't need. <laughs> and we we never... We, so you wouldn't be a gambler? I, I'm a terrible gambler. <laughs> but I do like a game of poker. 
But um, we we developed the the hotel slowly over time, and it took us a good while to get it up and going. We firstly opened the bar and the restaurant and started doing food. We finished off the rooms, and we organically grew. And it's it's something that we like to. It's something that we we. It's a philosophy that was kind of reared into us that we grow organically. We everything doesn't have to happen immediately, and we we just put a bit of time into it and a bit of effort. And um, I suppose I got finished college. I I, I went to GMIT in Galway and done hotel hotel and catering management, and I was fortunate enough to get a good degree. And I went then and I done I hitched up to become a teacher. And I done my teaching in in Galway, and I worked for a while teaching. And what were your subjects? Uh, business studies, accountancy, and economics. And um, I enjoyed it, but I found it hard to get the bounce out of the teaching. Whereas in this game, you're meeting a customer, you're getting the feedback straight away. You're also be, your own, you're also whether, your own boss, whether it be good or bad. <laughs> and you're also your own boss. I don't know. Heavy wears the crown. I don't know if it's all it's cracked out to be. Um, but we, I basically moved home uh, when I met my now wife Michelle. Sorry, um, James, how long were you teaching for, James? At that stage, uh, I done about six months to about 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 from a January to the end of the teaching season. Um, and did you know at that stage, even in that early stage of your career, that it wasn't for you or that you were keen to do other things at that time? No, I enjoyed it. I, I did enjoy it. I, I, As part of my college education, I had worked in numerous different hotels for work experience. And one of the stunts that I'd done, I worked in a hotel in Germany and it was a fabulous hotel. Um they had a very large conference and banqueting section. It sat about twelve hundred people. Fabulous experience, like, and uh, I learned a lot, like, a lot, a lot, a lot. And I, I just, I was going around with my eyes open all the time, like, just going, "Wow, this is this is different, like, and this is what can be done." Looking back on that period, what was the biggest uh, lesson that you would have learned at that stage? That you took with oh. you, and that you've taken with you into your career now, since. I'm I'm not great at it, but the biggest lesson I learned was if if you organise well, like the Germans do, if you organise well, you're pl- you're prepared for anything. Like, and uh, the the level of detail that they used to go into, and the t- tips and tricks and techniques that they would do was phenomenal. Like, so would I be correct in, in saying now that everything that happens here is meticulously planned? And well thought out. Um, I, I, I this, my wife wouldn't say that. She would say I would have a lot of it in my head. <laughs> um, I would have. Uh, we would get the. We, we we would have a very good plan and uh, oversight for all our events, and we have it well dialed in. We try and do it to the execute everything to the exact plan that we set out for the day but you also have to allow for a bit of flexibility it's not just solidly rigid there has to be a wee bit of fluency book factored in and like if if something goes left or right you have to be able to react and jump in and get it sorted like so it was a fantastic experience i think it's something that everybody needs to do but in that time i found I fell in love with the hotel industry. Um, weirdly enough, it, it's like a weird uh, sickness enjoying uh, that I enjoy. Um, you, you kind of, I suppose. I found in when I was teaching in school, it was the 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 kid that gave you the challenge, the bold kid, the 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 kids that were disruptive. They were the ones that inspired me because they gave me that wee challenge they kind of put it up to you and you were you were trying to kind of win them over and and I found that that was my hospitality experience coming out it was like having an awkward customer and seeing right how am I gonna how am I gonna win this one back like how am I gonna turn this around how am I gonna 
you know. So it was your people skill has been tested in another way. People skill has been tested in another way, definitely been tested in another way. But I found it very hard. You had to put for the six months work you put in. You only got a wee small trickle of job satisfaction back at the end, whereas on a daily basis here you can see the fruits of your labour. You, you you give a customer a good meal or a good cocktail or a good drink or you tell them all about your beer or the brewery and you're getting the feedback straight away. And, and I just found it hard to adjust to that long-term investment and feeling like you're not getting anywhere. Um, so that was kind of... It was a, a, a different adventure for me. Like, James, um, sorry, James. Just going back uh, to the start uh, when the hotel was built... How many rooms were there uh, at the start, and has the, the hotel and the, the late of the hotel changed much uh, over those twenty plus years? Um, the hotel, as a structure, has we has originally was built with uh, nineteen bedrooms, and we redeveloped in twenty sixteen, and we added the ballroom where the wedding is. And we added three additional rooms at that time. And how significant uh, has that been to the the growth of your business? Um, It's been quite significant in one respect, but we always had an old function room there. And the the old function room, I I, I don't know how we got the numbers into that we used to. Um, And it's funny, people, like... People, we just we managed, and the room we have now is about twice the size, and we're only doing about fifty more people. <laughs> but um, so, on an average wedding now, what can you cater for, and for an average function? Yeah, for the functions now, two hundred would be about the correct size for the room. We've had a couple bigger. Um, we have a few weddings booked that are slightly bigger, um, and we do our very best with the layout and setup. Um, the average wedding post-COVID, remember, we've gone from weddings that had six at them. Um, we've had a lot of weddings in this restaurant, actually, during COVID, that only had six and eight people, like, at a maximum. It was it was such a difficult time, but the weddings now are, we find a lot of the older people are just not attending. Still with that, we linger, uh, and, it, and it has affected the numbers like we're we're generally falling in the one fifty to one seventy bracket. A big big wedding will be one ninety to two ten somewhere in there. Like so, like by the time both families come together in the group of friends, it generally, unless it's an extraordinary event, will fall between kind of around the one eighty to two hundred mark. So it's kind of played right into the the size of the ballrooms we have, and it's it's not too big. And it's not too small either, so it, it gives you that nice feeling of everybody being in there together and, you know, there's no pillars, there's no obstructions and there's no vast open spaces, so it feels cosy and comfortable, yet it's it's a it's a nice, nicely decorated venue. Like. You mentioned COVID were three and a half years uh, on, James, from the start of the pandemic. Can you take me back to how it impacted on your operations here? It was the most surreal event. I'll never forget it. And and one of the things that I often marvel at is if you go back and you think, imagine being Tisha of Ireland and having to go out in the days before St. Patrick's Day and tell everybody in Ireland that we're shutting down the entire country. It must have been one of the most significant uh Moments for Atisha to think, Jesus, we're gonna, we're gonna ruin the political party that we're representing. What were your initial thoughts when the announcement came uh, in relation to the first lockdown, James? I think we were delighted to get closed. We we were that afraid of catching the virus that it was nearly like a relief. Now, in hindsight, looking back, it probably wasn't even anywhere near us. But at that time, you thought everything was covered in the virus, and I suppose it was just the fear and the panic and the and the thought of maybe bringing it home. Or I, one of my sons, is quite asthmatic, and we were 
afraid of our lives, like. And uh, we had. You're worried about carrying it into the elderly, and you're worried, concerned mostly for the welfare of the staff. All the staff of families, they have parents, they have grandparents, and it was very hard to to ask them to come to do a job, and now they have to come into, let's say, a dangerous environment that once was so safe. Um, I I found I couldn't believe how the staff put the shoulder to the wheel, um, how much they cared for the operation, how much they cared for the customers, the community. Um, it was a remarkable point in time. It showed the solidarity that is in the people of the country when we want to do it. We don't see it all the time, but when we want to get together and put all point in the one direction, we can. Is that something that you'd be extremely proud of, and particularly in relation to your own staff, James? I just, I can't even, uh, half the time when I think back about what the staff had to endure, it, it nearly would make me emotional, because I was that soldier that had to... Like, I, I worked alongside the staff, and I would be very much hands-on in my approach to running the business here. And to see working in a, in a commercial kitchen with PPE on and a face mask, and it, it, it it's not fun, like... <clears throat> and to think, like, uh, to think that we had this big empty building sitting here... And we were having to feed all our customers outside of it. It was nuts. Like, I suppose the main thing that we're just really grateful for is the support that we got from our customers. The minute we announced that we were opening for uh, outdoor dining, we were just from the get-go. And it was really, really humbling. It was so humbling. It was like the people made us believe that there was going to be something because we had gone from a thriving business with a full year stacked in front of us to nothing, <laughs> essentially. Uh, people like yourself, James, had a, a lot of time to reflect. And uh, I've had this uh, conversation with, with a number of business people over the last uh, while. Did you use that time to sort of press the, the reset button and, and take stock of where you were going and where your business was going? Yeah, we we used it to take stock. We also used it in a quite positive way. We renovated our guest bedrooms. Um, we renovated the the restaurant here. We renovated the bar. We'd done a lot of paint work. We tidied everything up. It gave us time that we would never have had. And I suppose the only commodity at the time that we could spend was time. <laughs> and the only commodity we had her hand was time to use like so um we used the time well we renovated all the en suites in the in the guest bedrooms and we we've refurnished them and you know it served us well because that was an investment that we wouldn't have had we would have been disrupting the the guests going forward so it meant that it was just proper timing to get it done and um i suppose i have to thank covid for the opportunity that presented itself to us on the other side of it, which which is Erigel Brewing Company. Um, that that alone was a complete lockdown project um, that happened to just... It actually happened in, in this restaurant by... I met and uh, my auntie, uh, Breege McGinley of Ulster Tire Company in Balbuffet, um, she she was here for dinner during COVID, and I talking to her and her husband Josie here one evening, and they were telling me just that a a fellow that they knew they thought he was selling a brewery, and they had heard a conversation previous from us, then it kind of had circulated within our family. Um, the time we built the hotel. We hadn't two pennies to rub together and uh, we needed cold rooms and bits and pieces and, and we went to a liquidation auction of a of a premises in Belfast and my father was with us and at the auction there was a small microbrewery for sale 
And my sister, Anita, who owns the business here now with me as well, um, is, has a degree in biotechnology. And she's also a chef, a kick-ass chef. And uh, we seen the, the brewery that day, and my father was like, I'm not going home without it. And we were like, we haven't two pennies to rub together, and we need to get this hotel off the ground and forget about it. And he never forgave us that we didn't buy it. And it sold for pennies. And um, this was in 2003-ish. And it, we would have been a way, way, way ahead of all the craft beer. And maybe we would have missed the market because it maybe wasn't ready for it. And uh, we we eventually... The the story kind of would come up every now and then during family dinners or conversations or the that brewery and we should have bought it and this kind of thing and the conversation would go on and it happened my auntie happened to know about the conversation whatever and one evening she was here for dinner and she happened to say that she knew a guy that was selling a brewery and <laughs> I went out and I spoke to Nathan we called the guy and he says right he said uh, I have the brewery sold. He says, but I really, really, really want to keep it in Donegal. He said, let me contact these boys. They're from Mullingar. And he contacted them and he said he wanted to keep the brewery in Donegal and he wanted the brewery to stay in Donegal. And uh, he rang us back. And as he rang us back, he, sa- he, he says, uh, I have that check in my hand. He said, but listen to this. And we could hear him ripping it up on the phone. And uh, I have to say, he he afforded us the opportunity to to set up a brewery. Uh, he had he had real faith in the county. He wanted there to be a craft brewery in the West Donegal region, and he afforded us the opportunity, even though we hadn't a clue what we were getting into, but. Um, that's that's how the story of Erigel Bruin started. And obviously that meant uh, setting up the equipment and setting up the brewery. Can you talk to me about all that process? Well, I think this is the most remarkable story. <laughs> and uh, it's, it's nearly unbelievable, and that's the only way I can describe it. Um, I don't think I'll ever do the lotto because I got all my luck when it comes to this. Yeah, so I suppose what the the, the lucky factor comes into when we had a wedding, a COVID wedding, a lockdown wedding, um, that uh, we had arranged and the hotel was closed at the time, but we could do weddings. So we engaged with this couple and they have a house in Carrickfin and we decided to help them to have the wedding instead of having six people here we they were going to have a really small wedding at their house in Kirkfin so i suppose we had time in our hands and we had nothing to do and um we just passing the time we decided you know what we'll go all out and we'll go down to the house and we'll set it all up and we'll make it all sharp looking and they were blown away that we would even just go out of our way to help them and they had thought that they would have had to do their own catering at the house and the, they were they were kind of very very grateful that we decided to help them. So the day of the wedding, it was a beautiful, calm, sunny day, and we decided that we would um, take we have an arch and everything that we would take the arch down to the beach, set up the ceremony on the beach, and take the celebrant down to the beach, and do the ceremony down to the beach. And it was one of the most beautiful occasions I was ever involved in. And like you had the Erigel off to your right hand side, it was right down at the end of Kirkfin, looking out on the bay, and it was just down the road from their house. It was one of the most stunning occasions we ever hosted. And we had the chairs and the chair covers and the sashes and the just brilliant occasion. And uh, that day then, we, we, we cooked the food in the hotel here and we took it down and served it out to them down there. And they were delighted that we went way over and beyond. And, of course, it was only because we had time in our hands. It's something that you, you just couldn't do now. And um, we ended up then, in the weeks after, we, we met with them. And um, they were on about that they were 
heading back and going back to work and and I come and said, oh, like, what do you do anyway? And and uh, they were like, oh, we're we work in brewing, and I was like, what? <laughs> I was like, uh, I says, uh, believe it or not, I said, I'm after buying a brewery, but I just don't know what I'm at like. So the two of them kind of went, well, Jesus, after what you've done for us, anything we can do to help you, uh, we'd be more than delighted in any advice and anything. So I said, well, listen, I'm in the middle of building a shed, and would you mind, like, give me a layout or what way I had seen the way I should have had it laid out, and they were they were very, very helpful and very informative, and... On the day of their wedding, I met a guy, or it was the day before when we were setting up, I met a guy there that was actually, he was setting up like this wee home barn. I spoke to him for a few minutes and he, he had a beer with him that I, I didn't know and tasted the beer and it was lovely. And But it was only a, just like a chance encounter. And um, he was a friend of theirs and, and I kind of just bumped into him briefly while we were setting up and we went about our way and about maybe two or three months after the the, the couple were helping me set the, the brewery up um, they called me out of the blue and they said James what are you at and I said oh well I'm sitting in the hotel here and they said uh, is there any chance you could go down to Muff um, we think you should go and uh, meet a guy called Declan Nixon um, you, you met him briefly at our wedding, um, but he's after being put out of work. He was the head brewer with Yellow Belly Beers in Wexford, and they lost their manufacturing license. And they, he, he's kind of he may or may not be interested. He might be fit to help you out. He's a far greater expert than anything that we can do for you, and we think you should chat to him to see if he'd even come down and train you or help you out so I thought Jesus these two haven't put me wrong I looked at Nita we jumped in the van landed out in Muff and we met Declan and there we'll take a break Business Matters in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business are you a graduate of a non-business discipline and would like to pursue a level 9 in business ATU Donegal are currently offering their Masters in Business Management Conversion Programme Take the next step in your career and contact the Exec Ed Coordinator on 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.ie today. You're welcome back. Before the break, James was recalling his first meeting with the experienced brewer, Declan Nixon, in Muff. And when we met Declan, we just clicked. Declan was such a knowledge base such an interesting uh, phenomenally technical knowledge of the beer industry with contacts everywhere um, and he he does his own brewing and blending and he sours beer he barrel ages beer it's it's like I, I've nicknamed him the Willy Wonka of the beer world because it's literally uh, port barrels, mescal, burgundy barrels, and he uses them to take the flavour out of the timber, and he'll make a complimentary beer that takes the flavour and then ages it maybe for eight to ten months in the barrel. And we met Declan down off that day, and... I suppose we were blown away that he would even listen to us, uh, even take his time out to just listen to us. And We spoke to him and we said we were really interested in setting up a brewery, that we wanted to make beer for our hotel was the mission. Um, and he said that he would love to come down and see what what we were doing. And uh, we were like, Jesus, this is phenomenal. This guy would even kind of entertain us. And we, we came home and... He he had arranged to come down the following week, and uh, he came down and he looked at our equipment and he said, "Well, listen, I'd be interested in helping you." He said, "I could come down two or three days a week and train you and brew beer and show you what to do and help you get set up." And the poor creator, 
I suppose, didn't realise what he was taking on and that we didn't know anything. And <laughs> he was such a knowledge base. And his his passion lay in the fact that he loves spreading the word, spreading the knowledge of how to brew beer. Um, he, uh, he loves that there's breweries popping up in every location in Ireland and that we're not having to depend on big multinational macro breweries that are just waxing out beer as quick as they can and that they're small independent brewers and we we were blown away when when we met Declan and and he offered his services to us um and it it meant it it afforded us the opportunity to to set up a brewery properly now had we realized what was involved from in terms of paperwork um, when we started to try and register as a brewery, it, it was a mission. Like, and only for we had dead Declan's expertise, we were in over our heads. Like, <laughs> we we definitely put the 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 cart before the horse in terms of we should have had all the technical work done and then bought the brewery. But sure, that's what you get into. So a couple of years on now, James, how is all that going? It. It's phenomenal. It it really, really is, and it's one of the the coolest wee businesses that you'll ever get into. It it has. Uh, I suppose we were lucky having the hotel here that we had an outlet. Um, our customers just were blown away that we were trying new things wanting to develop a new product. And just in relation to the products, James, how many beers do you provide or do you brew? Um, well, at the moment, we say that we have a core range, right? And the core range is our Giltart Lager, which is called Ore. Um, we have uh, Rua, which is an amber ale. And we have, it's an IPA-style beer, um, and there's there's a style of beer on the west coast of America called APA, so it's American Pale Ale. But we've created our own play on words, which is APA Anagre Pale Ale. And the APA and the Ore are our two, let's say, core products. The Rua is also one of our core products. Um, so we have the three, that's our core range and we intend going forward to be doing a lot of specialty brews, um, one-off brews, um, and brewing for the season, hopefully, so that we'll be doing maybe the odd fruit beer and uh, like a nice Christmas whiskey-infused stout and bits and pieces like that. So we got barrels from Crawley Distillery when they emptied the barrels, and uh, we have made uh, a stout, and we've barrel-aged the stout, and it's, they're sitting in the brewery, taking the whiskey flavour out of the timber into the stout. So we're hoping to package this now as our Christmas special and stuff like that. Like, So it's really, really fun. Like. And you have plans for an event in October, James? We're hoping to do uh, like a mini beer festival over a weekend, at the end of September, start of October, somewhere in there. So our plan is that we're inviting some breweries from around the country um, and to like a mini beer festival. And we're wanting to take them to Anagri. We're wanting to showcase the culture, the Gaeltart, the language, the music, and of course the beer. <laughs> so um, we're hoping to plan a weekend where... People will come along, they'll get to taste beers from all around Ireland. Um, they're going to get to taste our own beers and they'll have, it'll be paired with a bit of food, lovely local seafood and a couple of bites to eat and a, a, a nice evening's entertainment and we're looking to do it on the shoulder of the season. And I suppose one of the ideas behind the brewery starting off was to help combat the seasonality that the hotel business faces, which is a difficult uh, problem that we, we've run into a 
a lot of times given our geographical location in northwest Donegal. So from March to say September, October it's extremely busy and then there's a significant dip, James then, is that right? There would be, yeah. Like I suppose November and January are our two real weak points. Um we we would we I suppose it's the thing that we focus on most is like combat and seasonality is the secret to being able to sustain the business year round and any um, events or anything that we can get happening at that time of the year we always try and get out a couple of good lead offers and um, hope then we also try and plan for a strong Christmas and we've been very well supported by local businesses in the locality here um, I know we're in June at the moment, but we've already yesterday just taken a booking for a Christmas party for a large company in Guidor. Um And it's getting, you know, a, a strong December will carry you through the winter. And we, you need that big spike in December because if you have a quiet November, a quiet December and a quiet January... You're hanging on till <laughs> till March hits in and Paddy's Day rolls round and the doll starts again. Like so, it's just in relation to the the tourism season, uh, James. <coughs> have you been talking to many of your counterparts and what is the feeling locally uh, about the tourist season in twenty twenty three so far? Um, we've had a phenomenal run post COVID. It's been. Very, very busy. Um, I do feel... I, I'm not sure if it's as busy as it would normally be. And it is slightly distorted by the fact that possibly 50% of the hotel rooms in the county um, are only available. And I think it's maybe we're we're missing out on not being able to bring enough tourists to the county um on the other side of that issue the so a lot of the properties that have um have ukrainians in them um i do see that as a great opportunity for those properties and that there'll be a long-term investment made in the hospitality sector in the region because the revenue that will be generated from the the housing of the Ukrainians will be reinvested in those properties. And I do think that it hopefully will bode well for the future successes of the hospitality, hospitality industry in the county. Um, there's a lot of challenges facing the hospitality industry. There's a lot of opportunities. And... I think we're well placed in County Donegal to avail of all the opportunities that are presenting themselves. Um, I believe that we need more hotels. We need more bed spaces. Um, we have a fantastic Gaeltart area in this region that has a unique culture. We have a unique tourism offering we have brilliant islands we have brilliant local seafood we have like in the parish of Annegray now at the moment we have a distillery and a brewery it's a phenomenal thing when you think about it in the wee village of Annegray um, I'll never forget and it's one of the things that and I'm diversifying now but it's one of the things that always jumps out at me about Annegray and my father's vision for building a hotel was, I remember sitting in our old front sitting room one time, and I was only a young fellow at the time, and my father met met this banker, and he called to the house, and he was pleading with my father, you know, there's no need for a hotel in Annegray, Dom. Uh, there, there's never going to be a hotel in Annegray, is what he said to him. Uh, he said, you know, the hotels are, are, are not suited for Annegray. And uh, I find it phenomenal to think Annegray and the parish of Annegray and the tourism attractions that's in Annegray now. We have the airport. We have a great hotel here. 
We have a fabulous restaurant in Danny Minnie's. We have Sharky's Bar over the road here, which is just the jewel in the crown. We have such a cool wee community. Um, we now have the off. We we now have the distillery, and which is in Crawley, but this is all within the parish of Annagre. Um, there's a couple of great pubs in the region. We have Boners, Leos, Tessies, Cassantugan and Lahanur. We're we're so well placed to really really capitalise on tourism, and I believe tourism is one of the most sustainable industries that this region could have. I believe there's more that could be done from the bodies that are representing the Gilthorpe area. And uh, I, I think it's 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 something that maybe hasn't been realised. There's multiple job opportunities for the young people. This is these jobs take pressures of families. They take pressures of students that are attending college. Um, and it's seasonal work, surely, but it's it, the work opportunities present themselves when these students are actually at a loose end for the year anyway. Um. So, I do think this region's well placed. Like, I I challenge anybody, winter or spring or summer or fall, no matter what the weather's like, if it's the worst day of the year, go to Carrickfin Beach and it'll be the most beautiful thing you'll ever see. Or if it's the best day of the year, go to Carrickfin Beach and it'll be the most beautiful thing you'll ever see. Um, they don't call it the Wild Atlantic Way for no reason either. Like. And uh, some people, we would get them travelling here in the winter particularly because they love the ruggedness, the wildness, the isolation, the coming back to the hotel for, you know, a nice hot whiskey beside the fire in the bar and uh, a nice bite to and, like, coming in out of the cold. And it's there's, there's something special about the region and I think we need to believe in it more and I, I think we can achieve more. James, you referenced uh, a number of times the challenges maybe that the sector is facing. In your many years of business here, what's the biggest challenge that you faced? Oh, the biggest challenge that I faced was, and it was the wildest event I was ever part of, um, was the day that we had the massive fires here in the Rosses. It was one of the most testing times of our lives. Um, there was a wildfire that spread over the mountain here. And at the at the very one time, we had everything that we had worked for in our lives was under threat. My parents' house, my brother's house, my own house, my sister's house, and our business, all at the one time. And it at at one stage during that, um, and myself and my wife had were standing at our road end because we thought we had lost our home, and the actual uh, the response of the people and the community that day it was like nothing, and I, I I even get a lump in my throat talking about it because I I just can never thank. The people enough that came came to our efforts that day. It 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 it, it still haunts me to 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 even think about it. Um, it was definitely the biggest challenge. It was an Easter Monday. We had a full hotel of guests. Um, I had been working very late that night on the Easter Sunday, Easter Sunday night, and I went home. And I got into bed about maybe half four in the morning and 20 minutes later my wife got up to go to the toilet and she could see the smoke coming over the hill and we basically had we went to the source of the fire and we fought the fire the whole way down over the hill and I'll never forget the exhaustion and the the sense of defeat because we, myself and my wife, stood at our road end hugging each other and we made peace with the fact that we had lost our house. We thought it was up in flames. like, And only for we had got a few 
um, things moved at the house and our, we just got lucky. Um, and it, it, we, we had no fire brigades. It was the people. It was the people that worked on it. It was the people that came out with shovels and literally saved the day. The, it was phenomenal. Sharky's Waste saved the hotel categorically um, with a tanker of water that the fire had spread round our um, round our oil tank, um, and the the fire brigade were just that stretched. Um, there's um, there's there's guy in um, Letterkenny, Dennis Sheridan. Um, came down from Letterkenny with tankers as well. Like, and to I, 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 I never know how to thank the man enough for what he done for us. And and I know he'll possibly hear this. Um, and and I really, really am grateful, and forever will be grateful for what the people done for us that day. It was phenomenal to see. It was frightening, <laughs> but to to feel the love and the sense of community. And it was a massive challenge, and it, it'll definitely go down as the most challenging day we'll we'll ever experience. And finally, James, looking to the future as we head into July twenty twenty-three, what lies ahead for yourself and your business? I um, we have an exciting time ahead. We're we're getting Erigel Brewing off the ground. Um, we're looking forward to seeing where this goes. Um, we have the hotel here is we're, we're calling it Erigel Brewing HQ and it's it's got I suppose a lot of traction for people calling and coming in and coming to taste the beers and we're looking to maybe develop some type of visitor attraction maybe a tap room um, maybe develop the hotel slightly further and I suppose we're just looking to build on the tourism offering that we've developed here. We have a few um, very simple philosophies when when it comes to the hotel. We always believe that we're only as good as our last meal, and that's the sword we have to live by, and that's the sword we have to die by. And some days you get it right, and some days you get it wrong, and you have to try and get it right more days than you get it wrong, and that's... It's, it's, it's a challenging business because you find out quick if you get it wrong. Um, and, like, I suppose, really, it's we're very fortunate with the level of trade we had, as I said earlier. But um, we were really, really grateful for it. And we try and give back to our customers uh, with new experiences, doing new specials, trying to harness the seafood and the everything from lobster and crab and pollock that we have off our shores here to different bits and pieces that anything any kind of new experiences that we can bring forward so i suppose that's that's our exciting part going forward and we look forward to the challenges that lie ahead hopefully the road won't be as bumpy as <laughs> as as the, the the easter weekend that we just discussed there but um no we look forward to it and and we're very grateful for for the opportunities that we've been afforded so far and like we we just can't thank our customers enough for it. we can't thank the staff enough for it, both the present staff and both the past staff that have i suppose put the shoulders to the wheel down through the years and it's it's such an honor to lead a team of people it's and i've seen some of the greatest young people coming into this place um i not going to name anybody but like I have a load of examples. I think one of the things I'm proudest of is, like, I, I, young people that come in here that are shy and introverted, um, that leave like roses that have blossomed, and they just come out of their shell, dealing with people. They get used to talking to people. They build a confidence. You can see them standing up straighter. They're, you know, and those are that. No matter what you pay somebody. You can't buy that, you know. You can't buy that confidence. You can't buy those life skills. And it gives me a great sense of pride and and to know that you've kind of helped, you know, 
ready these people for the world. Um, a lot of the a lot of our full time staff are phenomenal, and um, and again, it's just they have this. The, the, there's the, there's something that I always say as well. The the people of the Gaeltart area have a natural warmth hospitality. And everybody, if you read any of our reviews that, you'll always see all the staff, the staff, the staff. And a lot of people say to me, you must be very good to your staff. It's it's not me. It's the natural warmth hospitality that's put in the staff. It's the Gilthart hospitality that, you know, set up the right conditions and make sure that people are happy in their work and it comes out like and uh, we're we're very very lucky to have and very fortunate and um, we're seeing guests from all over the world and uh, it's it, it's it, that's the nice part about it you're meeting somebody new every day you mightn't like them all <laughs> but <laughs> uh, some of them come with their challenges but I think that's the the cha- the challenge that that it's like the bold kid in the class <laughs> it it uh, challenges you. Um, and it gives you a bit of a, a bit of fun. There's always um, something new, uh, uh, a different direction to turn, and uh, we we really really enjoy it. Like James McDevitt, co-owner of the Casanova Hotel in Annagree and co-owner of Ericle Brewery in Annagree. Thanks for taking the time to talk to us on Business Matters. Brilliant. Thanks a million. Cheers. Well, that's it for this edition of Business Matters. Thanks to my guest, James McDevitt. Thanks to Kenneth Wilson on sound. And thanks to you for listening. If you'd like to get in touch with the programme, drop an email to businessmatters at hydradio.com. Business Matters, in association with the ATU Donegal Faculty of Business. If you have an undergrad in any discipline and would like to reinforce it with a Master's in Business, ATU are offering their Master's in Business Management Conversion Program. Call 9186206 or email donald.hannigan at atu.edu.